hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? Fifty thousand. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Ganja Book Club, a weekly Utini podcast where we intentionally experience Star Wars books together with our incredible community. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I am joined by Adam Dyson. How are you, man? Good, mate. Ready to talk about some Dark Disciple. Let's do it. Yes. Yes. And Patrick McIntosh, you are back with us. How are you? I am feeling fantastic. I'm ready to talk about some Dark Disciple as well. Good. Dark Disciple and possibly tacos, because tacos need to, needs to be said at least twice in this official recording uh, for our Patreon release on Tuesday. I'm just throwing that out there. Tacos have to be mentioned. It's a whole thing. And if you want to know more about tacos, you need to join live in Discord on Saturdays at 4 o'clock, because we talk a lot about tacos here. And it's also part of our sponsorship deal that we don't have yet. It needs to be. Right? <sighs> Gosh, I'm just saying, is... if we ever get a Taco Bell <laughs> sponsorship, God, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. All of the tacos and all of the nachos and the quesadillas. No burritos. We're, we're sponsored by Taco Bell. All you hear is just mumbling and crunching. Oh, welcome to the Carnival Book Club. <laughs> sponsored by Taco Bell. <laughs> oh, so fun. Everybody bring your tacos with you next Saturday. In fact, I will go on the record now and say that I will have a taco with me next Saturday. And I will take a picture of it and I will publish it in Discord to prove that it happened. So y'all need to hold me to that, okay? Adam, can I get your can I get your your accountability here? No um yep. Moderators keep a lookout. If he doesn't do it, ban him as, as appropriate. <laughs> Man, that'd be so bad. Getting banned from my own show. We will uh, let you slide if the Uber Eats delivery is a little late. Okay. That is up. That is appropriate. If it shows up mid-show at like four twenty, we're okay. <laughs> may have to may have to temporarily pause the pause the podcast. Don't worry, we Adam. Run. We got it. I trust you guys. Hey, we'll we go s- to a commercial break. People are still listening. They're true fans. <laughs> <laughs> really though, really though, and it looks like we do have some new people. Freddie C has joined us. Welcome, Freddie. Glad to have you here, um, along with many of our usuals, uh, Meg and Scott and Juliana and Chris, and Brea. So glad y'all are all here. Um, if you are new to the show, welcome. Um, outside of the taco conversation, we are live in Discord every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, and if that isn't enough for you, we also get the Utini Patreon feed every Tuesday around midnight-ish Eastern time. If you need more info on either Discord or Patreon, feel free to shoot us a message. We'll get you all sorted out. Adam, we do have one update on the Discord front. You want to tell the good people what it is? They don't know already? Yeah, I can do that, but I think most people know. But we brought Meg on as a moderator. So really happy to have Meg Meg on the team and to bring her values and her Star Wars thoughts onto the team. So it's, yeah, really great addition. So thank you, Meg. I know you're listening for joining the team. This is uh, one one more badge that gets to go on her insignia plaque. Or her rank, right? <laughs> yeah. One, one more time. thing. She is she is so close to just completely overthrowing uh, overthrowing Corey and taking lead on everything. So, and Juliana, I don't know when Meg sleeps, but yeah. she's she's a hero. That's for sure. 
<laughs> the, the Country Book Club is still weighing up the do we support Corey or Meg during the transition. Oh, no. I, I don't know what y'all are still thinking about. I'm totally going for Meg. I mean, totally behind her. All right. So we're not yet. Let's just do it. <laughs> oh, man. We, we don't have much to update on the Patreon front. Just things are pretty steady. I'm hoping to get both a Wayfinder and a Utini Decrypted released uh, this week for our Inquisitorious tiers and up. Um, we are still looking to reschedule the uh, Night at the Opera. We're going to try to watch some Mandalorian before the new season starts. So be on the lookout for it. We'll make sure to make announcements about it um, in Discord once we get an official date and time and all that taken care of. And then Patrick missed my gloating last week. But Kenobi is our book for November. I'm 3-0, and baby. Don't cross your arms at me. I'm crossing them. <laughs> you know why? Because you said 3-0. and and my college football team had a chance, and it messed it up today. Oh, no. <laughs> so you get to be 3-0. and I don't get to be 3-0. and My team doesn't get to be 3-0. and I'm going to go cry in the corner. We now, can't have it all, man. Now, personally, I think Timothy should be two and a half because he just picked what the people wanted. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's a per- that's a people's choice. Award. We were Come totally on. selfish and picked what we wanted. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> Well, I did I did promise last week, and now that Freddy's here, he might actually be able to help me out as well. I'm actually going to make an appearance on Legends Look Back uh, here for the next two weeks. And so I am going to pitch to Jared and both Freddy to help me find the most random, obscure <laughs> Legends book in existence that no one has read. And I want it to be my pick going into December. So because... you mean Splinter of the Mind's Eye? <laughs> oh, man, if we have to read that book... <laughs> so so what I'm really saying my... is that your pick gets advertising on legends look back and then patrick's pick doesn't saying <laughs> if y'all want to you can there's equal authority here equal adam right. adam i was on that show two uh what a month ago i i knew we could jury read yeah. stuff like this yeah. i would have done it <laughs> exactly now y'all can tell me you could have done cheating <laughs> the disrespect that's it me and patrick were they see how the we were trying to play fair. I was going on show just be nice, you know. Look, I was being friendly. I was I wasn't trying to cheat everybody on my own pocket. Now look, yeah, Timothy, I out here, I don't make the rules. Out here rigging the election. <laughs> nah, I don't believe in that. Uh, I'm just doing what I want until people rein me in. This is what happens when we name someone Taco King. who gave him all the emergency powers yeah y'all did that to yourselves the senate's fault dang it jar jar (laughs) god dang it jar jar (laughs) who let you talk who talked you into this (laughs) i don't care what you think senator amadala would do it's not what she would have done put it put the vote button down whoever gave timmy's powers will be a street peddler on naboo by the time we're done with him (laughs) Hey, you know what though? Bringing bringing kids joy, <laughs> doing it for the kids. I don't care what people say about me. What book are we bring meant? Joy to this world. What book are we meant to be talking about again? Oh yeah, we're supposed to be talking about Dark Disciple. <laughs> <laughs> to go from the the spice of tacos to the spice of the dark side and everything, uh, everything. Let's just say everything. This this book was a lot. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, remember, I remember the first time I read this, I was like, I've never read a book like this intentionally before. This is neat. <laughs> and I feel very much the same way again. So 
you can totally see why they cut this from uh, the Clone Wars production. Yeah. It just wasn't for kids. <laughs> yeah. We talked about that a little bit. A little bit last week. It is a beautiful, beautiful love story full of heartbreak. And uh, it's just tough. But let's go ahead and get into the summary of chapters. We read chapters 11 through 18 this week. Um, Patrick, I will come back to you and get your thoughts on the first little bit that we read, just to kind of catch us up to where we are. But let me get through the summary first. So spoilers um, ahead. If you haven't read the book and you plan to do so, continue on at your own risk. So we left off with Asajj and Voss um, attempting to break Mark Krim's kids and wife out of a fortress prison or Mustafar. Um, our two heroes end up cabling up old Batman style to the fortress. Um, they rescue the kids in epic fashion and then realize they got to go back and get the mom. Um, Voss gets shot in the shoulder in the attempt to flee, but all is well. Asajj bandages him up um, and some feelings are shared. Um, after rescuing everyone, a Black Sun ship approaches and Asajj punches um, their own ship into hyperspace. Voss is pretty upset because, of course, the kids are never going to be safe. Um, this is a criminal underworld. And they just don't let things go. Foss decides to tell Asajj the truth about everything. He's a Jedi. They intend to assassinate Dooku. And just nothing is sitting right with him about any of this. Um, Asajj knows that he's a Jedi. She's cool with it. And she, through this section of chapters, shares a lot of deeply personal information with him um, as he trains to become who he needs to be to kill Dooku. This is where the book turns into pages full of seduction for the dark side, for violence, and for each other. As our good friend Eric would say, this book becomes a kissing book at this point. And in order to meet the ends necessary, Voss is going to have to take control of this huge beast called the Sleeper, which is an ancient beast on Dathomir, and murder it in cold blood. Um, he does so, and he completely opens himself up to the dark side. Saj maintains that there is a way to balance it, though. Um, but after finishing the job, they head on to face Dooku. Uh, Patrick? Catch me up on your thoughts on everything we missed last week since you were not here, and then kind of your initial thoughts on this particular set of section. Now, starting off, it really did have that nice Clone Wars feel to it. Like, you know, that, that good seasons four and five, when Kenobi was teaming up with um teaming up with Voss, and when they introduced him to, you know, take on the mission, it did have that uh that real that Dave Filoni storytelling feel to it. And I really I really enjoyed it. But like I said, I could see why they did uh, cut this from an arc because uh, this was a little too grown for everybody. It's full grown. It's full grown. This is grown. <laughs> this is a. I did have a lot of um, interesting thoughts. I don't know. I can't remember if this was in the last part or this part, but um, I was very intrigued on how she described the Night Sisters' use of the Force mm -hmm. and how it's not consuming. Right. Yeah. And, and how, balance. Right. Yeah. And I was like, that's a that made a light bulb go off in my head because every you think about every time we hear about the dark side and the darkness and something going down that road, like, it's all consuming. It's it'll take over your life. It'll destroy you as a person. It'll destroy you physically. It'll destroy everyone around you. But in we're looking outside of the two dogmas, we're actually seeing uh, people who just live with it as an almost an everyday life type of thing. And it's just their way of looking at it. And it's, it's not, I wouldn't call it an evil thing, but it's just how they were raised. You know, it's, they were raised in it, but they're not consumed by it. Yeah. 
Adam, how about you, man? Your thoughts on this particular section? Anything stand out to you? I can definitely see how the first section, like you said, Patrick, was Clone Wars 100%, and then it just gets into uh, adult territory, which I really loved, the the romance side of this section. Um, Just Foss chipping away at Ventress, and eventually he starts to get these genuine smiles, and and that moves into really when the love story starts to really just go 100 miles an hour, and I'm all for it. and you're right, Eric would say it's a kissing book. <laughs> he would also be yeah. very proud of the 100 transitions we took to get to this point. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand percent. <laughs> a but thousand yeah, percent. Yeah, big fan, big fan of this section of the book. Probably one of my favorite sections of of this book. Probably the favorite, actually. Yeah, it's, it's really cool, the, the innocence, right, that Voss kind of has and that he brings out of Asajj, too. I mean, they're both relatively conflicted characters, but they approach just this simple idea of attraction, I guess, and kind of amplify it to a whole new level. So let's get into the chapter by chapter. You know, we pick up with Voss and Asajj, you know, trying to break into the fortress to rescue the kids. And there was kind of a lot of stuff that happened there. Patrick, what did you think about this whole rescue attempt, the way it went down, escaping, and the little bandaging thing that happens where they kind of make their first connection, I guess? I will say, when they first show up on Mustafar, you know what it reminded me of? Does um, anyone remember the early part of um, Path to Destruction when um, they're talking about Bane's homeworld and how it's just like a crappy mining town that has like one single bar to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the whole vibe that I got from that part. That it was just, it was, what was that planet called? If anybody knows, put it in Discord, because I forgot. But yeah, it reminded me of that. And that's where we also got some real adult action here, because, uh, what did, um, Ventress take the, um, the Foline, the Black Sun Guard to the bathroom? Yep. <laughs> and then Quinlan's waiting to knock him out. It's like, yeah, y'all really did have to cut this from the TV show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is on Cartoon Network? No, sir. No, no, no. This has to go to Adult Swim now. Yeah. Adam, how about you? Anything in this this opening chapter to uh, stand out to you with the, the breaking the kids out, the rescuing the mom, the daring escape, any of that there? Yeah, for me, it's just Quinlan's use of psychometry. I'm just a really big fan of that particular force ability <clears throat> and what it can show. Quinlan as the story progresses we'll see it a bit later on in a, in a different chapter where it goes a little bit more to the negative side but like just a sub, such a simple forcibility is um where he just moves yeah we know where the kids are oh sorry we know where the mum is let's do this <clears throat> and it's just I love that he has to try and still pretend that this is not happening <laughs> it's probably lucky for him right. that psychometry just happens within like a split second and all I picture is him holding this object not blinking, kind of drooling for about a minute. <laughs> right, just completely just in a trance. Completely dumbstruck, and Asajj is just waving her hand in front of his eyes, and then he wakes out, wakes up, oh, I'm fine, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I loved the the formation of their, I mean, last week, obviously, we talked about, you know, the beginnings of their relationship and how you know, Ventress loves to tease and loves to kind of pick at and get under the skin of whoever she's battling, right? 
But I loved Voss's kind of indignation when she didn't want to ride his cable up to the fortress with him. <laughs> He's like, what? What? You're not going to come with me? Like, you don't need your own. Like, I thought we were going to cuddle and go up there and save the day together. No, nope. <laughs> not at all. But I love those little innocent touches. Like, you have that where, you know, there's a, a playful kind of uh, reservedness there. And then... When you have, after he gets shot, right, and she has to go and, and kind of bandage him or whatever, and they kind of touch hands, and it sets them both off. Like, such an innocent, you know, just our hands are touching. And that, that kind of throws everybody for a loop, for a curve. They don't really know exactly what to do with it. They don't like that they have these feelings. They've grown up not finding these relationships to be advantageous to either of them, right? And they've got to figure out what to do with that because they don't want to deny it, but... It's a whole weird thing there. And to the Force perspective, I like, of course, Ventress knows that he's got the Force, right? Like, as a strong Force user herself, like, within their training, um, you know, regimen we talked about last week, and everything else, like, I don't know why he would think that she wouldn't know. Because a normal human wouldn't have been able to, you know, survive the the falls that he did, right? Like, he should have lost the kid, you know, falling into the lava, and, and all of this stuff should have happened. And so that was maybe the final pieces to put it together for her that, yeah, he definitely was a Force user, um, or at least, a, at least a Force user, if not a full Jedi. But yeah, just I thought it was kind of silly that Voss was like, oh, you knew? <laughs> Absolutely wild. Also, thanks to Chris, uh, Patrick, that planet that we were looking for from Bane uh, was Apatros. That's it. Uh, Yep. So thank you, Chris, for the help. Um, I still haven't read the third book. I got to go back and finish that. Tisk, uh, tisk, tisk. I know. I know. I know. I'm a I'm a monster. What did y'all think about, you know, Voss's indignation at the, you know, black son coming back to get the kids? Like they rescue the kids, they rescue Mark Krim's wife, and then, you know, they go to deliver them. And then all of a sudden black son shows up and he's heated. Patrick? Um, honestly, it felt to me like a very opposite of an opposite of Anakin Skywalker type of motion. Like he did, they did what they could, but when they realized they were outgunned, outmatched and that that was the way of life for them. Like it's a criminal cartel. Somebody's always getting shot, killed, beat, dismembered, something. So there's nothing stopping criminals from putting family in the way. So can't save them all. Can't stick around. And get yourself killed over something like that. Yeah. Adam, do you have any thoughts there? Oh, definitely. It was a bit of a kick in the teeth. Especially the first time I read it, you know, you're kind of sitting there, big dumb and happy. The kids are dropped off. I'm moving on in the story. And then, bam, Black Sun's like, nope, uh, here we are, uh, ready for our retaliation. I think that's right. I'm sure, I know, you know, the text leans into the fact that the family were probably killed. But I look to the Pikes as having their own defenses, their own thugs to defend and fight back but you can definitely see the, the jedi was just straining in quinlan to do something and again that's the difference you're right between anakin and quinlan is anakin just would have been no nah, we're not leaving i'm gonna go do something about this probably the whole ship right yeah <laughs> and then quinlan you know has he's able to take a step back and you know maybe he wouldn't have taken a step back if if Asajj wasn't there and the overarching mission that he had he couldn't put his mandate in jeopardy as well yeah, very sad. I just have one question. Is Quinlan pretty much Anakin that has, like, a bit more maturity and stability in the mind? I was going to ask you that. Um, 
because it seems so to me at least and then you know kind of going into the end of the next chapter too where he adam talked about last week about how the you know quinlan being this undercover agent is more jedi probably than being a general in a war right and i wanted to ask you if, if you thought that the anakin might think a similar way and, you know, you bring up the comparison between the two of them, just that Foss might be a little bit more mature. I don't know. Talk about talk about your thoughts on that. I really do think he he's to me, he's Anakin with, dare I say, therapy, like who has a little <laughs> more stupid, like more stability. But he's it's if Anakin wasn't manipulated so much and like, you know, yanked and toyed each in this way for um, different people's agendas. Because Quinlan Voss, he's not snatched around and he's not put in people's political agendas. Anakin is the, uh, he's pretty much on a, his body's pretty much in mind. It's tug of war with everybody. Every different little faction within the Republic, Jedi, Chancellor, you know. They're always trying to uh, snatch him around. So that's, it's got him messed up in a way that it didn't happen for Quinlan. Also, Voss doesn't have the tragedies Anakin had. Like he doesn't grow up, you know, enslaved. And saw those horrors, but how they, how they, how they work is pretty similar. Very, as Obi Wan says, both are very reckless, and both are very, they're very popular in a lot of ways, and they're willing to go outside of the box. They're they're both both pretty boys with not a lot of restraint, right? Adam. The one- Oh, I think there's definitely some similarities, but little differences as well. I think earlier on in the Clone Wars, Ayla Sakura is talking to Ahsoka about having a really close relationship with her master that she kind of had to draw a line and move away from, and we know that Ayla was Quinlan's Padawan. So, it, it, you know, imagine that kind of happening to Anakin. Actually, we see that at the end of Season 5 when, you know... Ahsoka walks away and how that affects Anakin, but clearly Quinlan over time is able to move on and just get on with his role as a Jedi Master. But Anakin, like the undertones of Ahsoka leaving, sticks around with him until the very end. You see it moving into Rebels, he, he fixates on her, whereas Quinlan, when Ayla clearly walks away from him, he's just, yep, all right bit of pain at the start and then just gets on with the job and chris i think chris kind of leans into that that you know their training and their foundation is completely different as you said patrick he goes through just unimaginable horrors as a slave being taken away from his mother (laughs) that he's been with single mum for nine years whereas you know quinlan even says in this book that his earliest memories are in the jedi temple He's always had that support, walking down the hallway, giving high fives. He's the cool guy. Yeah, completely different foundation. You know, the the foundation that I think kind of separates them, you know, we talk about Voss not really having a, a terrible story, right? He was never sold into slavery. He, he didn't have any of that baggage. Ventress definitely does, right? And and she gets to reveal a lot of that here in this next chapter. Adam, what, what did you think about Asajj? being comfortable enough to share her history with Voss and and really give us give us all that background that we saw in the Clone Wars to him. I think the difference between this retelling and the one in the Clone Wars is the Clone Wars you don't you see the pain 
in Asajj, but we don't go too deep into that sadness being an animated children's show to begin with. I think in this book, we really start to see how how it really affected Asajj and the the romantic undertone of she's now actually willing to be vulnerable with Quinlan was really quite beautiful. Yeah. Patrick, you know, this happens a year. You know, they, they return to Dathomir, um, Asajj and Voss. You know, they get to Dathomir a little less than a year after the slaughter of the Night Sisters, um, right, by Dooku and Grievous. What did you think about this? And do you think she would have gone back to Dathomir if it wasn't for Voss? Not this soon. She would have went back, but I feel like it would have had to be another maybe five, six, seven years it would have had to be a lot longer because going back, it just felt like it was like you're touching an open wound. Like, like the wound is still bleeding. It stings. And how it showed in detail, like the evidence of the fight was still there. Like the dead bodies, the skeletons were still laying around. The forest is still burnt up from the droid attack. It's a very, it hurts. Like, especially when you, Especially when you know what happened, when you saw the the initial encounter, and you know how much it meant to her, to, and how much emotional trauma she has from being in similar way to Anakin tossed around. That uh, this them approaching back to this planet, just God, it was it was painful. Yeah, the the part that really tore me up was when you know she, you can almost hear her voice breaking in your head, right? Like when you're when you're when you're reading it, or especially with Mark Thompson's narration, like when she's talking about how she she doesn't know the way to save her dead sisters, right? Like like whenever they die, there's this whole preservation, you know, technique that they go through, and it breaks her heart that she doesn't know it. It did throw me a little bit back to the Phasma book, for those of you that have read it. And yes, Meg, I did say Phasma. There's the, you know, the they have a similar kind of routine, right? Of like whenever the dead go to pass away, like there's a way to kind of salvage pieces of them. And I'm, forgive me if I'm butchering it, but that's a, a same, while, while in Phasma's case, it's not about, you know, returning to as, a, as an animated corpse to help fight on your behalf. You know, there's still a sentimentality there, right, of preserving that which is in your family line of remembrance and and that. But her kind of breaking at the fact that she didn't know how to continue that process was really tough, really, really tough. And they have this conversation that they can't do things the Jedi way. You know, they're not going to be able to assassinate Dooku and be and, and do it from a happy place, right? It's the antithesis of the Jedi, which is why they've asked, you know, Voss to do it in secret. And you get this really crazy scene with Ventress, you know, tempting the snake to her and then using the dark side to kill it and to, to kind of coax it in. Um, Adam, how did you feel about you know, reading the way that this this all went down, uh, that seduction of the dark side and then just the brutalness of that act. I've made it no secret that I fear snakes. Um, so my <laughs> answer is bias. Does Patrick have a non-bias answer? <laughs> I'm not going to lie to snakes, Dean. It, I don't fear snakes. But that, that was kind of creepy how it, how it just showed it, like the description of it spazzing out and the snake... And the snake biting him. Because I've known a guy who got bit by a copperhead on the foot. 
and he got even got medical treatment in time, and he still almost lost that foot. Oh. And he said it was like the most painful, like it's one of the most horrific ways to ever go out, because no matter like the effects of it make you feel like you want to die. No matter how if you are or not, you still feel like it mm. because it's just like rotting away and burning a hole in your flesh. So I'm just imagining getting bit by that snake. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Never going to happen to me. Can't <laughs> right, that happen to me. All right. So y'all have no problems with any of the snakes that, <laughs> that gave their lives for this passage. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> but, but back to the dark side, I think I thought it was a very cool sequence um, just to show the seductive nature of the dark side, luring the creature in and then using that same side of the force to just take its life um like was that whole kind of spectrum of the dark side all in one seduct seduction um you know, dishonesty the snake you're going to be okay and then taking its life and it leads to to Ventress having to help train Voss to i mean like they go hunting together because he needs to get comfortable with killing things and that just chills me to the bone right as as someone who doesn't typically like to go and do those things, I was just like, ooh, <laughs> having never done it, knowing that knowing that I'm I'm intending to go and cold blood assassinate somebody, <laughs> having to practice doing that enough times to get good at it is just haunting. And I thought the the writing by Christy Golden here is just so good in in how she's able to lay out, you know, that process and Voss ends up having to do the exact same thing, like trying to summon <laughs> the snake and you know, yeah, then being in absolute excruci excruciating pain and just to see Ventress kind of standing over him like, uh -huh, you got bit, sucks to suck. <laughs> like, that's exactly what I felt. Yeah. Um, and, I Adam? and I think this is a good point to like kind of bring up that we give the Jedi a lot of slack and for good reason, it's mostly deserved. But, you know, their upbringing of trying to keep compassion there but not, 100% dictating their terms, trying to keep emotion down is that, you know, they can clearly lean more to the side of justice and not re um, revenge or vengeance. You know, I sit here and I, you know, if I was to lose someone close to me from nefarious means, how I would feel, you know, do we lean more into the justice category or do we lean into vengeance and revenge? But for the Jedi, I think that's one of the good things about that come out of that doctrine is that they have the ability to naturally lean into justice before they just start chucking lightsabers at people. Yeah, so I thought I thought they should get a little bit of a gold star for this one. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Everything gold star it is. Apart from this mission, is an F. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this F affects their whole semester they fail <laughs> <laughs> yes you you do not get to play sports next semester because you failed one course yeah. you did this this coach is strict this <laughs> academic <percentage>. probation <laughs> <laughs> yeah so even like oh, you gosh. know they can look at dooku and all his transgressions and still quinlan is and the sarge knows that he won't do it he thinks he will but he won't because he'll lean into this indoctrination automatically Right. To try to train someone out of something that is so ingrained into your being since childhood, since before even you can remember childhood. 
is a lot there, right? Mm. Yeah, so Voss is in pain. He's passed out. He has these dreams of pain and ecstasy. Dark side, thinking of Ventress, you know, all of this, full of the dark side. And then Ventress decides, hey, since he's sluggish, let's go ahead and try to, uh, let's go ahead and and, and toy with him some more and come at him with a lightsaber. (laughs) Like, insult to injury, kicking a man while he's down, right? Like, now you're going to throw a lightsaber involved. He turns on her, you know, like he's getting angry. Like the whole point, right, is that he is down. He is frustrated. He did just get bit by a snake that's poisoning him. And the point is to get him to be pushed further and further, deeper and deeper into that anger and unlocking those emotions that he never knew that he had before. Right. Um, Because they'd been so tempered out of him. And to to see how how she's toying with him and to realize, oh, wait, she is toying with me because there's one point right where he starts to fight back and she kind of smiles and he's like, "Ah, I get what's happening here. Finally, they walk into her kind of fortress mountain. Right. There's the water of life there. Um, And she tells him about the sleeper. And Chris kind of mentions that we're a little ahead of ourselves here talking about the, the sleeper. But, you know, what? What did y'all think about this creature, right? That this ancient being that some Night Sisters think it's one thing, some Night Sisters think it's another. What did you think about the introduction of this beast? Uh, Patrick, let's start with you. Yep. Honestly, at first I was thinking it was some like Sith spawn at first, like some old thing created by the dark side that just messed with your mind. But... I don't know, I, I kind of yeah, came to like almost the National Geographic approach when it came towards the end. Like, <laughs> oh, it's just really old and ancient. We've only seen it in the wild very few times, and it, it just doesn't like being toyed with, you know, like most animals. So why y'all got to kill it? <laughs> Adam, how about you? I think what made it easier thinking of a creature on Dathomir was, you know, playing through that planet on Jedi Fallen Order, you know. You can see that the planet and the dark side has affected the evolution of its creatures. You look at Golgora and that whole boss fight, the winged creature. Um, I think it's just, you know, the maritime version of this, quote, boss that, I, that you know, Fallen Order for me really helped me visualize really what, you know, they maybe thought was a bit of an abomination, um, especially Quinlan. But then he moves into the he's seen worse things. I thought that was really interesting where he, you know, probably getting ahead of myself, but I'll say it anyway, that he's seen some things where that creature is still beautiful to him. (laughs) Right. But yeah, no, Gorgora really helped me visualize the sleeper and what Dathomir does to its creatures. Yeah, I honestly, at first, you know, when I was reading about how, you know, some Night Sisters said it had um, like basically spikes and claws and then some said that it had like tentacles i was like is this a is this a bogart is this uh or a bogart however you say it from harry potter the thing that changes depending on what your fear is <laughs> you know like that's where my mind went to it it's just the star wars equivalent but no i yeah i, I loved what you said about how how voss kind of approached it and yeah whenever we get into him having to fight it you know to kind of backtrack the Night Sisters had this thing, right? They couldn't become fully part of the the Coven, I guess, until they approached the Sleeper and willed it to remove part of itself for them, right? Am I reading that correctly? Is that 
the correct understanding. I think that is wild. And so he knows that he's going to have to do it. Uh, but he wants to do it naturally, which I think is crazy. You know, Ventress is like, you're going to need these Spectrum, you know, goggles, another Harry Potter reference, Spectre Specs. You know, you're going to need all of these things to try to see it, to fight it. You know, here's a rebreather and all of this. I do have to give Voss props, right, for wanting to go in, you know, completely natural to this and to really let the Force guide him. I had, you know, Luke with the visor, uh, you know, kind of flashbacks you know, to facing the Death Star and then, you know, fighting against the training droid there in A New Hope. You know, Voss wants to do it as as fully himself as possible. And, I don't know, I was just completely taken aback by this whole thing. He, at this point, too, decides to break fully from the Jedi. I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Patrick. You know, he breaks the comm link that <coughs> separates them from, you know, from any communication thereafter, <coughs> Kenobi or anything like that. You know, what is your thought there? Also, I'm pretty sure Eric has joined the audio. <laughs> Hello, buddy. Hello, oh, buddy. I just heard. Wait, who's that? Was he on? Yeah, I think I think he is. <laughs> oh no, because I heard someone. I heard a fourth Somebody. voice. There he is. Eric is your. There he is. All right, there we go. Hello, puppies. <laughs> but no, it was a very. It goes back to how um we were talking about earlier about using the force in a way of bouncing both sides like he wasn't fully emerged in the dark side he wasn't getting consumed by it but he he kind of he enjoyed the feeling of having the power of the darkness but the mindset and the clarity that the light could bring him and the attachment of interest at that point and he didn't want he didn't want to give that away and it's kind of like if a man is gets into a nice relationship, man or woman gets into a, a relationship they like, they don't want to mess it up or give it up, you know? That's what... Honestly, a lot of, like, the feelings for her, I felt crept into here as well. I see Adam shaking his head. Yeah. You got anything you want to add? <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Put you on the spot. I <laughs> know, I agree. I think for me as well, I'm listening to the audiobook once again, that this whole sleeper iteration was just narrated so well. If anyone has listened to the audiobook is, or is currently listening to the audiobook, uh, Mark Thompson's ability to verbalize Quinlan's pain in this whole process is really top-notch. So if you haven't listened, I do recommend it. Yeah, and there's there's a part that I do want to bring up. I think it's coming up here in this next chapter where Voss does go in finally to, you know, the they find out. Right. There's a, a spy within Dooku's uh, within the Separatist Alliance that is keeping tabs on where Dooku is and what he's up to because they need to be ready at a moment's notice. Right. To go and get him. And so Voss decides to go ahead and, and confront the sleeper. You know, he doesn't need any more training. He wants to go in and do this thing and get in there. And he goes in to take it right at seven meters tall, pinchers, clubs, ancient tentacles, you know, whatever. And I thought Mark Thompson does a fantastic job here. Whenever Voss realizes that he's got to kill the thing, there's a little bit of hesitance, right? Because he doesn't want to kill this beautiful creature. But the way that, that Mark Thompson kind of channels this seething kind of fervor when it's done, you know, like there's this buildup, right? And like, I could, you, I could hear Voss like shaking, <laughs> um, because there's just he is full 100 percent in it 
and just props to Mark Thompson because he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I just felt all of that. But he kills it, and the monster was obviously shocked, right? Like, that's how strong in the force Voss is. I guess my question here, kind of going back to the Night Sisters thing, and Patrick, I'll, I'll hit you with this first. Do you think that, you know, Voss having to kill the sleeper, is that something that that Asajj tries to put on him to bring closure to her whole chapter and, and thing there, or is it something that the night sisters maybe couldn't do before? Like they were only strong enough to, you know, whack at it bits and pieces and convince it to take care of itself. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? That's actually interesting. Cause I did not think about that. I th- about like being able to kill it on their own before. Granted, I do think Mother Talzin could have. Yeah, she could. If anyone was to do it, she would have. Her adventures could actually. But I do looking back, it does feel a little. It's more of a closure thing, especially um, like I said, how soon we went back there and how much of an open wound that this still is. That they're pretty much just living there for a few weeks, just right right at the scene of the crime and you don't know how we don't get that we get a lot of emotion from ventures about it but we don't get that every day how is it affecting her on a daily and it's ventures she's also pretty sneaky and sly so one thing can be two or three things for her so the idea that this is a closure thing is probably spot on uh do you feel this was this was closure for ventures of Let's kill this lingering beast that's here that, you know, me and my sisters have had to deal with. um, And I don't have to ever have to deal with it again. Yeah, I do. Um, I also think that, you know, where the sisters used to coerce the sleeper into removing a bit of itself. I think for Ventress, the idea of killing it as well, because there are no other sisters who can coerce the creature into harming itself i think as well leans into that closure where she's now happy just to see it go yeah a creature that's probably been alive for millennia who knows as long as the night sisters of that particular tribe have been around so she she's definitely sees it as her that her tribe that's it her tribe is out yeah i i would definitely have to agree with you I, you know i don't know that i ever thought about the the closure aspect before, but you know, kind of going back this, the second time. Yeah. That would be immensely difficult to have to, you know, you're staying away from your home intentionally for, you know, almost a year because you can't deal with, with the way that it was left. And then you have to return and you just want to put the past behind you. And in this particular case, she's going to kill it because it's necessary to, and she's going to use Voss to do it. And so, you know, I think there's the, knocking out kind of two birds with one stone, right? Like she gets to end in the the thing that she wants to end to give her a way to move on. And then also she gets Voss to become this thing that he needs to be. Adam. And for me, I think what makes it a little bit more sad is now that Canon has expanded over the last four years since this book came out is that we have Marin as well. Yeah. Fallen order. So, you know, and she was so, she was, young when it all happened she doesn't she, now she really doesn't get the chance to dot the i's and cross the t's when it comes to her initiates like being initiated into the night sisters either because 
um, you know, Asajj, not knowing anyone was left, allowed it to die. Yeah, that's tough. There's so the the way that we're expanding now, right? The the depth of the understanding of, of how many and you know, even we talked a little bit a bit last week about the ending of the new Clone Wars anthology, right? With a brand new story there that we didn't know existed. You know, there are whole other other creatures and species and cultures that, you know, are all tangled up in this. Yeah, that's that's a wild thought. So kind of to end this particular section, right? Chapter 18, um, you know, after, after Voss does the thing, you know, Ventress talks about, you know, there's this way to find balance in the dark side. Um, I definitely kind of thought back to Mace Windu a bit, right? You know, he developed the pod, which is very much borderline down the middle. He, you know, kind of Hulk's secret of I'm always angry <laughs> to once again mix at my universe is here. But they find out that they know where Dooku's going to be, so they get ready to head that way. We flash back over quickly in Chapter 18 to see Kenobi's waiting for Voss. He's there for two hours. He hasn't shown up yet. He goes to talk with Yoda, and basically Yoda's uh, you know, quarters, <laughs> I, I wrote, you know, there's the singing stones and pra- basically essential oils, you know, in his room. <laughs> and Yoda, you know, they have this conversation about is Voss going to turn? You know, is Voss going to be deceived by Ventress or is he going to be able to do the job and still, you know, be all right? Patrick, what did you think about this conversation here between Kenobi and Yoda and in the state of affairs of the, the Force? Honestly, if this goes back to uh, this goes back to really a failure of the Jedi type thinking. Like they knew they shouldn't have been doing stuff like this. This that the whole this whole era they always wanted to have the moral high ground, and they're oftentimes and in other books in this um in this Clone Wars and pre Clone Wars era they're often considered as like the moral compass of the Republic, mm-hmm. and they. They knew better than to undertake such a mission like this and to put one of their own, let alone a Jedi master, into such a position. And we're seeing the ones who were against this from the start really having those, 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 just that regret and that unease about this whole thing. And God, it just makes me don't dislike Windu even more. <laughs> God, everything we read makes me dislike that man. <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's like, that man, that man deserved to get tossed out of a window. You really did. It's like, kind of had to root for Sidious on that one. Yeah. You know, I think it's crazy that, that Yoda is in this position, right? Where like, hey, things are in motion. Things have to stay in motion. Like we've already, we've already done it. Um, Adam, what did you think about about this little bit here? Yeah, I thought it was a great ending to the section. And speaking of Mace Windu, Patrick, I love. Side note that when we see Samuel L. Jackson get interviewed about returning as Mace Windu, and I just sit there and I'm just, your character is not welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Your character is not welcome. <laughs> Plays twin or something. Mace, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mace has a Mace has a twin uh, named Stace. Yeah. And. Uh... <laughs> um. But yeah, I really thought it was a strong ending to the section, and and it was hard to to not continue on to chapter nineteen for ne- you know the coming week. This is this this story. I found it hard on most stories, but this one's particularly hard to stop when I reach the end of the chapter for the week and right. go on to something else. You know, I, I finished this section on like Monday, 
and I just wanted to keep going, <laughs> but I don't want to get, you know, too far ahead. So thank you, Patreon, for picking this one. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. <laughs> Patrick, do you have any closing thoughts on this per- this particular section you want to you wanna get out there? Can we throw Mace Windu out a window again? I'm totally game. <laughs> Totally game. We'll Quick, post, find his body. We'll post the video. Throwing it out of another window. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all ever notice every bad decision they do? It just comes back to him. Everything that goes wrong, this is your fault. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's th- this is kind of completely off tangent. There are the two particular Bible stories that come to mind when I think about Mace falling out of a window and wanting to do it again. And that's Elisha and Elijah, right? One of them who died a long time ago. There's rumors that if you were to touch, if if something dead were to touch his bones, they would be reanimated, like they would come back to life, right? And there's another story where the bunch of little kids are like calling him bald, and he doesn't like being called bald, so he summons these bears to come out of the woods and maul these children, right? So here's this, you know, maul, maul the children, bears maul the children, throw them on, on the bones, and then do it all over again and again and again. And th- that's, where I, that's where I am with Mace. I realize I'm completely, completely off kilter here, but that's, oh that's just what, what came to mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. So continue. Sorry. Yes. Throwing Mace on a window a second time. Closing the chapter out or a section. What you think? No, this is... um. This is a fantastic book that um, it's full of a it does a great job of showing emotion that we actually got to see in actually in television and that was touched on. And we actually get to go deeper with this emotion and the backgrounds of the stories. And we still see a little more of the failure of the Jedi at this time. So it's a great trio. Yeah, I loved the way that Voss kind of reacted to the the scene where he, you know, kills the communication link, right? That he's like, of course, if the Jedi had a taste of any of these things, you know, if they felt and truly, truly got to experience these emotions and these feelings, of course they wouldn't be Jedi. <laughs> and I loved, I loved that that characterization that that giving voice to that concept and that that is a a mistake of the jedi i think in some veins of sometimes turning everything off and becoming apathetic and just letting something be the way of the force you know you that might not be any better than you know being just a mean and intentionally callous person that apathy is sometimes you know, and inaction is just as bad um, in a lot of ways. And sometimes it's worse. But yeah, I, I think it, this is fantastic, fantastic book. I'm so glad that we're reading it and so glad that we're getting to see to see these more morally gray characters. You know, I mean, like they're they're heroes, they're anti heroes. They're not heroes at all, um, all at the same time. Right. And that's that's really cool to see. Adam, is there anything you want to add before we we shut it down? Can I go eat some tacos? Nope, nothing for me. Enjoy the tacos. King of tacos, Yay. eating tacos. Is he, are you eating your own subjects? That's a conversation uh, for next week. That's, com- that's that, next that's, week's that's taco next conversation. I do want to you know, point out, Chris, he said this is uh, his favorite novel of the new canon. Um, it 
definitely going to, you know, we, we overturned the foundational five a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't want to do it again uh, for fear of losing my job, but it's, it's definitely worth, worth being in a conversation for, for being an, an ultimate favorite. You know, this is one of those sleeper picks for sure. And Adam, real quick, explain what this video is. I'm not going to watch it yet of Mace Windu getting thrown out of the window. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm, assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming it's what the title says, uh, but it looks comical. <laughs> it's, it is quite funny. It's a reenactment. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. okay. I'll watch that as soon as I get off of here. <laughs> Patrick, is there any last final words you want to say? There is not. Enjoy the food, man. Awesome. I might join. I might join you. <laughs> hey, sounds good. We're we're not that far away from each other. Yeah, if anything, we'll, halfway. Yeah, we'll meet half. We'll find a Taco Bell. I'm sure there's one somewhere at the border. We'll stop in Bristol. <laughs> right. If there's nothing else in Bristol but a Taco Bell, yeah. so. <laughs> If all, all right, well, what? But if we all meet halfway, there has to be a Taco Bell somewhere in the middle of a large ocean. <laughs> For sure. We'll, we'll find some cruiser carrier out there, right? That's, that's, by the time we get there, it'll be Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Does the Navy have a Taco Bell on air? Surely. We need surely Carl. they do. Carl would let us know. <laughs> right? I, I, I would take an airdrop, honestly. <laughs> Just just a crate. Just just a crate parachuting in full of tacos. Alright, look, we gotta stop. We gotta stop. That's let's let's kill it there before it goes anymore and I, I start eating my microphone. Um thank you to everybody in the chat for joining us. Um and if you're listening to us on Patreon, we are so glad um that you are listening in. We'll be back next week to talk through Dark Disciple, chapters nineteen through twenty-six. Um, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Discord at underscore T Guthrie. Adam is at DarkStarAU, and Patrick is on Discord at Mac11. If you want to help support the show, head on over to utini.com, look up Dark Disciple, and click the Amazon link on the profile. It'll keep us on the air and help us produce um, some more awesome content for you guys. You'll find links to Dark Disciple and November's book Kenobi um, in the show notes. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. Special thank you to Sally and Chris Iverson on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier and Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. And shout out to Adam and Patrick for podcasting with me today. May the force be with you, everyone.